Holy Gospel according to John, the 13th chapter. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jewish authorities, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's the gospel of the Lord. So, what's your answer to that question? What's your favorite meal? It's like one of the first things we ask in in First Communion classes, and we get this array of responses from the kids and from the adults. What's your favorite meal? And then, oh, I'll take, (laughs) what was that? Sushi. Sushi. Okay, well, let's let's go for it. What are your favorite meals? Meatloaf. Oh, good comfort food. We've already had hamburger helper. Oh, eggs in the boundary waters. What was all right, just keep letting that bubble underneath your imaginary nose a little bit. So in First Communion class, of course, we ask that question. Uh, then we have some in-class homework that we do every year, one of which is uh, the kids make their own chalices. Here's Brooks. I don't know if you can see it super well, but I'll lift it up a little bit, that they get to take their First Communion meal uh, through. And they also all make the bread that we're going to use uh, for the meal at the service. So that's the in-class homework. And then there's the out-of-class homework, which is go home and shop for, prepare, eat, and clean up uh, a meal for your family of your choice that you kind of work out with your family. Uh, Some example, and and then you have to write out, your homework is to write out what you did and bring it back to us. Uh, So they all come back to us, and so I thought I'd use some examples that actually didn't come from the 830 service. Since you're the only one here, Brooks, it would be pretty obvious that it was your example. uh, But some of the meals that other kids uh, told us about was somebody had S-A-M-E-N, Salmon, uh, and the rest of the description of that sounded really delicious. Uh, somebody uh, had the meal, and then afterwards they did the dishes and put them in the washing machine. <laughs> Wonder how that rinse cycle turned out. And somebody had stuffed green peppers with a sweet potato crust over the top. Doesn't that sound absolutely delicious? We are all signing up for meals at that house. Anyhow, all the stuff that all the kids made. Uh, sound really, really good and made me hungry each time I read one of those sheets. So what's your favorite meal? Now, I hope, as per the children's message, when you think about it a little bit, the food is a part of your favorite meal, but it's the people you eat it with, too, right? And, of course, there's the host, who's the one who hosts the meal. So now, adults uh, sitting out here, here's your little audience. You have to multitask during the rest of the sermon. For the most part, you will be absolutely focused on all the things that Pastor John is saying in front. But also in the back of, the mind, uh, in the back of your mind, you will be running this little tape, thinking through... Um, your favorite meals, but now it has nothing to do with the food. What's a meal that's been, maybe a better way of putting it, has been really special to you because of who's been at the meal, where the meal was at, the occasion in which the meal took place? So now think of that, your favorite meal and the people with whom you ate it. Okay. So now start multitasking on that while I take us back to our scripture lesson from John's Gospel. Uh, usually, uh, you know, Ned read the introduction that went with his lesson. 
Usually the, the preacher does a little intro to the gospel. I didn't because uh, I just wanted you to hear it. And now let's go back and, and put the context around it. What was the first line of the gospel lesson? I'll give you time to actually look it up. First line of the gospel lesson was after... I think it should be after he went out. Isn't that roughly correct? Okay. All right. All right. Apparently, triple tasking proved to be <laughs> more than I should ask. Uh, so after he went out, after who went out? After, it doesn't say, but Judas is, is the answer. Uh, and, and so uh, one of the things that's really important about John's gospel is uh, uh, chapter 13 is the last night of his life. And it's clear that he's having a meal with his disciples, but nothing is said, interestingly, about the contents of the meal. No mention of bread, no mention of wine, just that they're eating together. In other words, perhaps John's subtle way of saying to us, at least in this case, what the food at the meal is is less significant than the people who are at it or aren't at it. And as he begins the meal in John's Gospel, he does what? That's the only gospel where he washes the disciples' feet and shows them that they will lead by serving. And then, you know, a couple things happen, and then we're told that Judas leaves. And the last remark about Judas at that point is he leaves, and it was night. And I don't think that's a time of day reference, of course. It's a reference to this darkness in his soul, the light, sadly, had gone out. After that, Jesus, now today's gospel lesson, says that first line, uh, which has four uses of a single word, which is a little hard to comprehend. Uh, the Son of Man is going to be glorified, and that glorifies the Father, and they're glorified together, and just a lot of glorification going on. And, and for us as adults, a lot of times, that's, that seems like kind of self-centered ego stuff that all this glorification is going on. Uh, better use of the word there uh, is, is exonerate or vindicate. Uh, in other words, what, what's going to happen now, Jesus is saying, is going to show as true everything that I've been teaching you. And just to double down and make sure his disciples remember what he's been teaching them, he again gives them the most basic of commandments, which is, I need you to love each other, because when you love each other, then people know that you're my disciples, and they see the God who sent me. And so we should treat our neighbor as ourselves, of course. And in John's Gospel, that's almost not enough. One must love one another uh, to the point of great sacrifice for each other. This is what makes Jesus and God real to our world, to love one another as he loved us. So now let's go back to meals. What's your favorite meal? And who did you eat it with? This gets me to a couple of basic rules about meals that I think apply to all of us, including First Communion students. Uh, here they are. Number one, before you have any meal, you could use this. Brooks, did you end up getting one of these? Okay, and can you tell people what this is? Yeah, it's like a prayer dice or a prayer stone. And uh, a prayer stone, by the way, is an Ebenezer, if you ever hear that word spoken. So you can just, uh, I don't know if this is a great thing to roll across your kitchen table. It's a little large, but you could roll it around in your hands and then just read whichever prayer came up. 
Uh, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. There you'd have a great little prayer at the beginning of a meal. But I think one thing that we could all add to our mealtime routines is not just to thank God for the food, but if you're eating with anyone else, you could thank God for the people that you're eating with. I think that would be a nice addition. I think almost any meal can start with prayer. Thank you, God, for the food. Thank you for the people I eat it with. So that's rule number one. Here's rule number two. Actually, this isn't, these two pictures aren't the pictures that I wanted, but I'll show them anyway because I think they kind of get at it. Oh, if we're, uh, if we're on the screen show. How are we doing back there, digital people? I forgot to tell you that I had these pictures. So <laughs> Matt is now desperately taking us off of something and putting us on something else. Oh, there we go. So there's a picture. So I took two pictures from around the world. Here's one in Africa where people are making a meal. Here's one in El Salvador where people are making a meal. Actually, the real picture I wanted to put up there, but I had this little access issue that I was running into this morning, uh, was a picture of something that our high, our, our high school kids will do this summer, and which, as I look out at this audience, quite a few of you actually have done, is eat a meal together in the Boundary Waters in northern Minnesota, where you have to cook all of your meals over a campfire. If you've been on the Boundary Waters trip, which many of you have, how long does evening dinner usually take from beginning to end? Hours. <laughs> Sherry, that was, I, I think your inflection there should have been hours, right? <laughs> right, Sherry? <laughs> okay, I knew you were going to say that. <clears throat> um, so pray and say thank you before, you before you eat a meal is rule number one. Rule number two is don't rush. I'm so struck by around the world how um, meals take a long time. And a big part of the meals is, is all of the preparation that goes into it. And, and so you talk together and you work together and finally you get to eat the meal together. And then you're still not done. You still have to clean it all up and you get to do that together. And to me, that's, that's, the, that's the importance of the meal. Why do we rush all the time? Why do we make it only about the food? When you think about all the food issues we have in our culture, if we spend less time thinking about all the food and more about the people that we make it with and eat it with and clean up with, that would be a beautiful thing. Don't, don't rush through the meals. And then, what do you think would be a final third good rule? Don't be a picky eater. So, uh, uh, my wife knows a guy named Richard. And, and, and Richard had a lot of things that uh, went wrong when he was born. And so that's affected his life ever since. Uh, but he's, he's a wonderful guy. Uh, but he had a surgery. And, and, and then he didn't feel good. And so um, my wife, Barb, talked to his mom and decided she'd bring him some soup. Because, of course, when you're sick, soup is good. And so she brought him, like, the best soup that she could think of to bring him. And when she brought it to the house, the mom looked at it before she served it to Richard and said, he's not going to eat it. And Barb was like, oh, no, <laughs> why not? And, and she said, it's got carrots in it, and he hates carrots. And, but she put it in front of Richard anyway, and Richard ate, like, two bowls of it. He just, like, gobbled it down, gobbled it down. And that, that's really cool. And, and she asked him why he liked it, and it was, of course, because, because Barb had made it, and so therefore it was special soup, even if it had carrots in it. But, but the cool thing about that story, actually, is not that. It's that, like, two years later, one of his friends was sick. 
and not feeling good, and suddenly it occurred to Richard that he wanted to bring him soup. And so he put out the request through his mom to Barb for what? For the carrot soup recipe. Because it was all suddenly about the carrots to him. Why are we such picky eaters? You know, again, if, if you're just focusing on the food, then it's about the food. But if you're focused on the people and the process, then, then, it's, then it's about who grew the food. It's about who took the time to make the food. It's about who placed it in front of you. It's about the, the love that went into it. And, and you don't just need an example like that one with Barb. I mean, that's, that's every day for all of us. Say thank you before we eat. And, and don't rush through our meals. And, and let's not be such picky eaters. So now we're back to this meal. And when you think about it, isn't that all true of this, this meal? I mean, there's certainly probably better breads floating around out there, though... We're all thankful for the Pick and Save Bakery at Ruby Isle for making our bread year after year. And I'm pretty sure there are better wines out there than this. But it's only really about who we eat that meal with that makes it important. So now, if you've been multitasking through the sermon, as per the assignment, we've got time for two or three. Any special meals because of where it was, who it was with, when it was. Grandma's 91st birthday, wedding reception. Sherry and I were at one of those last night. They are always really, really special. Do you even remember the menu at your wedding reception? Maybe, maybe you do, Vicki, but I'm pretty sure the food, all the people were pretty important, too. What else? Spaghetti dinner here when the youth group serves it, and the adults put a lot of work into that. Keeping up with the dishes afterwards. <coughs> Holiday dinners with family because you're back together. One more. Oops, now I'm putting too much pressure on you. Maybe a holiday dinner with family is a good place to end. Say thank you. Don't rush. And uh, don't be a picky either. Good rules for every meal, any meal, taught to us by the best meal, hey? Eh?